subject, the title of this episode is Lord Help Me to Be More Childish. <laughs> and as, as I laugh at that, uh, it's, it's something that uh, it's, it's, it's most certainly something that always had a negative connotation to it. Me, me being a husband, like, like most husbands I know, I like, I'm very playful with my kids. And, and uh, growing up, even in high school, right, uh, the, 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 the cool kids didn't want to be known as being child, child, being childish or immature, if you would. And, and sometimes even now, when my wife is like, you're being childish, playing with the kids a certain way, I kind of like, oh, I kind of cringe a little bit and my pride rises up a little bit. And the funny thing is now, after reading this scripture, uh, Matthew 18 and 3, we're going to get into it. I want to be more childish. And let me explain that to you. So in Matthew 18 and 3, this is Jesus talking. He's, he says, Truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So I'm sitting here like, whoa, so I've got to be like a child. What, what does that even mean? Fortunately for me, I have kids ranging from two to five until almost nine next week. Wow, I'm getting old. But I, I, I begin to ask myself, what is it in these children that is so amazing that I must change and be like them? So I didn't, I, I removed my eight-year-old from the equation and I begin to look, compare my two-year-old and my five-year-old because their ages are so close together. Astonishingly, there's a vast difference between them two. And there, and I want to talk about the things that we grow out of. See, my two-year-old, she is, she's at the stage that my five-year-old was at at some point. But now as my five-year-old is learning more, she's become, she's getting more experience she now questions a lot more things. And my two-year-old still doesn't question very much. So let, let's start this. So let's start here. So the one of the first things that we grow out of that a child has is being brutally honest. See, God wants us to be honest. And my, my, my five-year-old is known for just being brutally honest. And the stage where my eight-year-old is, she will be honest, but she doesn't want to hurt someone's feelings or so she'll hold that back. She'll, she'll either not say something or she'll be dishonest in that fast because she doesn't want to hurt someone's feelings. But how often are we doing that as, as adults when someone needs honesty? We're not being honest with them because we a want to we, we, we a want to stop. We don't want to feel the awkwardness of having that conversation with someone, but we also don't want to be embarrassed or we don't want to feel like we're overreaching. But honesty is honesty. It's truth. And we've got to speak it regardless. See, we develop these insecurities and these fears of what people may think of us, what how we may make somebody fear feel, and that inherently becomes a contagious uh, behavior between amongst amongst all adults. Because I'm insecure, I won't be honest. Because they're insecure about me being insecure, they won't be honest, and it just keeps going. But a child is honest. They don't know insecurity. They don't know fear of being dishonest. My uh. My five-year-old one time, she she told a lady, she said, your breath stinks. And me and my wife, our first instinct was don't say that. And uh, and we we try to say if there's a polite way to say it, some things you just don't need to say it. But I think about how honest she was in that moment and how protective we were of, of as parents. Like, hey, hey, don't tell. In my mind, I was like, hey, don't say the truth. It may hurt her feelings. And I'm thinking to myself, wow. That is unbelievable. I am creating that 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 thoughtfulness 
in my child before she tells truth. Now, there is a way that we need to tell the truth in love regardless. But, I mean, I'll be honest. If somebody, if somebody is somebody's breath stinks and they look and, and it's making them look bad. I'm going to hand them a mint in truth and honesty. Right. You know, Hey, she should probably get a mint, you know, but, but we don't, we don't consider that. We just don't want to be embarrassed. And that was me and my, my, me and my wife's first initial thought is, Hey, you know, I, I didn't say it, but I know, I know I felt embarrassed. I absolutely felt embarrassed, but she was being truthful. She was being honest. And I'm trying, and we were in that moment training her to say, honesty, think about it before you're honest. Because there may be consequences of your honesty. And that's one of the things that we tend to grow out of. And also, see, one thing my two-year-old never asked me is, she's about to be three, she never asked me, Dad, are we going to eat tonight? Where's food coming from? Are we going to have a snack? Dad, are the lights going to be paid? She doesn't worry about where her next meal is coming from. She doesn't worry about being clothed, having heat or air. She doesn't worry about any of that stuff. And the, the word of God says God feeds the birds. So how much more would he take care of us? And I think how often as, as I become an adult and I start to, to supply the needs of my family, I begin, to, I begin to worry and question about the needs of my family being supplied from God. I never, I, 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 God said he's going to supply our need. He's going to supply our needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. And if, if I know I'm in Christ Jesus, why am I worried about it? Why am I worried about it? It's the knowledge factor. I have seen and have, I've seen what could happen if you don't have money, if you don't have food. All these negative thoughts have come to mind, right? Making bad decisions or, or, be, or, or just being too involved trying to play God myself. But why are we worried about where it's coming from when God is ultimately the one, the one paying your employer, the one, the one who's, who's keeping your car running? He, he holds the universe in a certain way that keeps everything balanced. And we, and we have to remember that. We have to rely on God. It's not saying that we ixnay all the things that we have to do. No, but our trust is in God. It's not in, it's not in man. It's not in our job. Our faith has to be in God, and we can't worry about everything that we have going on. But we've got to remember that God is the one who supplies all of our needs. And he wants us to cast all his cares on him because he cares for us. And we, got, we have to remember that. Another thing, faith to leap. So my two-year-old right now, if, if I put her on the top of my five-year-old's bunk bed and said, put my arms out, she would jump out to me no problem. She doesn't think about falling. She doesn't think about, hey, what if daddy drops you? Her expectation is that I catch her. This is a natural instinct for her. My five-year-old, who used to be like that, if I put my hands out to her now, she won't do it. Not because I've ever dropped her, but because she now knows that there's something else that could happen. There's another possibility. I could hurt myself. I can twist my ankle. There's so many other things that prevent me from having faith now. So my question to you is, has has what you has what you've seen and what you know changed the way you trust God to 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 catch you when you leap out on faith have you stopped asking God for the big the big crazy things in your life God pay off my house this year because you're afraid that he'll let you down how will you know unless you try yes it's far fetched but our God is the creator of the universe 
Why couldn't he do it? We're, I'm, I'm so tired of living off God's grace and mercy and off the status quo. Because if your faith is the level of status quo, that is what you'll get. And, and, it's, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I want more. I want to see, I want to know God and I want to experience the fullness of God. The fullness of his blessings. I don't want to just, I don't just want to, hey, I'll leap off the porch. No, I want to have faith. If if God, if God will exceed my expectations, I want to raise my expectations. If God will do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or think, why don't I raise what I'm asking and thinking? He said he'd do it. According to his will, he said that he would do. So why wouldn't I raise that? He, he he didn't say, hey, if you if you believe this to this level, I if you believe to a four, I can get you a five. But he didn't he didn't put a measurement on it. Because God is willing, to, he's willing and ready and able to exceed everything that we're asking. But why are we settling? Why are we settling? Because we're afraid of being let down. We're afraid of we're afraid of what others may think. We're afraid of what we may think of ourselves and how it may change our perspective on God. But God is still God and he can do anything. We can't we can't allow what we now know about the world to change what we know about God. So the next thing, forgiveness. Now, I'm going to be honest. There are have been times where I have raised my voice at my daughters. Yes. I am not the perfect parent. And in, in as much, I've, I've had to come back and I've had to apologize because I want to teach them that we all make mistakes. We all owe someone an apology when we hurt them. So I've had to apologize. In a matter of seconds, they are, they're moved on. They've forgotten it already. And simply me being in their presence was enough. Forgiveness, forgiveness is one of the things that we tend to that, that we tend to let go of. Forgiveness is one of the things that we begin to hold people hostage by. In actuality, we're hurting ourselves. But children forgive. Ch- children forgive. Children, they, they move on. They understand that there's things there, there are things that are greater than holding a grudge. And yes, you hurt me, but you ask for forgiveness. Why? Who am I to withhold forgiveness for you? God didn't hold forgiveness for me. So well, who am I to withhold it from you? But this is what God wants us. We can't. He says, if you don't, if you don't forgive, he is not going to forgive us. But this is one of the traits that a child has that God would love us to be able to administer to our lives. Forgiveness. Forgiveness is it's, it's it's something that's so easy and it's immediate for a kid. But forgiveness for us is a process. Forgiveness for a kid is is second nature. It's just amazing how. It's humbling to know that I can learn from my two-year-old, my five-year-old, or my eight-year-old. It's amazing how, you know, I'm I'm I don't know too much to learn anything else. And once we, this has been a humbling experience, just to think about what I've learned from my children, and what what I what I'm still learning from them. How God said that these are the ones to learn from, these are the ones to be like, and I'm okay to be childish now. Now that I understand that Christ wants me to be this way, I understand it. So one of the next thing is that being naive. And that that's one of the things that about the knowledge thing. So uh, my, my, my daughter 
and this kind of goes into obstacles too. So my daughter is, my two-year-old daughter is completely naive. She tries to lift up the couch. She tries to push my actual car outside. She tries to, she, she, I don't know. She just tries to do everything that is physically impossible for her to do. But a couple things happens. She never stops. (laughs) She never stops trying. She will keep trying. She will keep trying no matter what happens because she believes in her heart that it's possible. She has a desire to do it and she's not going to try. When she fails, does she get discouraged? No, she keeps trying. And I am astonished how, 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 how persistent a two-year-old can be. Like it, it is, it is unbelievable. I tell her she can't, I tell her, I tell her, wait for me to put your pajamas on because you're having trouble with it. And she will sit there for 20 minutes trying to put these pajamas on knowing she can't. But that's the level of her faith. Her naiveness enhances her faith. And I feel as though sometimes we know, we think, or we believe we know so much. Well, you know, I'm just a realist. You know, I, we, we see these excuses, but in actuality, these things are preventing our faith from truly flourishing. I mean, it's just unbelievable. My daughter doesn't get discouraged. She has a short-term memory. She fails. It doesn't matter. She'll be back at it again. And I envy that because there's so many times I'm trying things in life. I believe for great, then I fail, then I stop believing it. But what if, but what if faith wasn't an event? What if faith was a process? What if you having to believe a second longer than you did before quitting was faith? We have to stop thinking faith is an event. It is a process. It is a lifelong process that will be tested over a series of decisions. But we have to make sure that our faith is in God and not our own abilities. But we need to exercise that persistence in faith. Exercise it. Lastly, my two-year-old does not take no for an option. I, uh, our living room is organized in a way that I try to keep my dog off my carpet. So I have the, the entrances to the between the couches blocked. So his first instinct was to go there. But when he comes outside, I want him to track mud. So he goes around now. My two-year-old thinks that she can squeeze in there. She will try for two hours if I let her to squeeze through there until she got through. And she will get through. But she sees an obstacle and doesn't get discouraged. She's looking beyond the obstacle. She has an ability to look beyond what's stopping her and go. And if she can't get beyond it, she doesn't walk away. She enlists my help. Dad, dad. (laughs) And she will scream at the top of her lungs as loud as possible to just get my attention to help her. Whatever the case, this obstacle is going to be removed. Either she'll get by it or I'm going to remove it for her. That is her mindset at this age. And I'm thinking, wow, just imagine if every obstacle I faced in life, by faith, I'm going to get through this or God's going to remove it. Imagine where we would be, the feats we would, the feats we would get to. Just imagine that level of faith, because we have to stop taking no for an answer. We reach an obstacle. We don't call on God's name. We just walk away. We just quit and we walk away. But what if God wanted you to put your full faith behind this? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What if he wanted you to really, really try? Asking it shall be given you seek and you shall find knock and the door shall be open. What if he wanted you to do this part and then say, God, I did what you asked. I did it as unto you, but I can't do it without you. Abba, 
Call God out. Say, God, come help me, and he will. But a lot of times, we give it half strength because we don't necessarily believe it's actually going to move. Then we walk away. But what if we pushed it believing that it will be moved in some shape, form, or fashion? Christ through you or Christ for you? So I want you to consider these things as, as you go through your week, go through your day. If you have children, look at your children. If you don't have children, look at somebody else's children. <laughs> but I want you to consider what we believe we grow out of, what we grow out of, what we believe we don't need that children have that Christ wants us to wants us to become like. Don't put down honesty. Stop worrying about tomorrow. Have the right faith to lead. Forgive immediately. Your naiveness will enhance your faith. Don't take no for an answer. <laughs>